rescue op, save the dinosaurs from an island that's about to explode. What could go wrong? Minute 52 of Fallen Kingdom, but before we get to that, we normally have a guest on uh, one of these seasons, and uh, we have a guest here for Fallen Kingdom, Mr. Stephen Brewer, host of the King Kong Minute, uh, another podcaster which helps out a lot <laughs> behind the scenes. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, it's good to be here. I'm really excited. Uh, I suppose a couple little questions before we do get into it. Uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong. There are a lot. There are a lot, a lot of the King Kong movies, uh, possibly because someone else has already beat you to the originals. But uh, I know I, I'm personal. That's the only King Kong movie I've seen uh, in its entirety, and I am a fan of it, uh, even with its long runtime. <laughs> and we do have a lot of in- influences from those films in the Jurassic franchise as well. So uh, why they oh, definitely yeah. <laughs> big influences, especially with Spielberg um, and the Lost World. I think we discussed that mm-hmm. a, a bit. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, on my podcast. We've talked about Lost World a lot on my podcast. Oh, very nice. <laughs> uh, I think last time we talked, you're uh, up uh, around the 90-minute mark. Whereabouts are you now after release? What minute are you at? So, not going to lie to you, we are on like a total hiatus, and we have been for almost a year. We oh. are halfway through the movie. Okay. Um. We are going to be picking it back up, hopefully right in time for the one-year mark of our hiatus. <laughs> Let's just—I had a—I had my firstborn son, and life's been crazy uh, ever since. So, uh, oh, so we're picking yeah. it back up. Then. Yep, <laughs> that, that, that will do it. <laughs> well, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. On Thank you one. very much. Thank you. Uh, very good. So that's King Kong. Uh, moving over to Jurassic franchise. Uh, how big a fan of the franchise are you? Which I suppose, which film did you see first, and uh, was it in theaters? Yeah, so um, I'm a I'm a 1994 boy, ah, right? So that's yeah. when I was born. I'm right after the first movie, so I didn't see the first one in theaters. I've actually, not going to lie to you, I've only seen one of, sorry, the first one I saw in theaters, is what I'm trying to say, is Jurassic World. I didn't see any of the first three. Mm-hmm. But I did grow up watching them on DVD, VHS. I wasn't obsessed until Jurassic World. This is backwards, but like I watched Jurassic World and it just reminded me so much of how good the first one was that I became obsessed in 2015. And I've been obsessed with Jurassic Park ever since. It'll do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But Jurassic World, really, I mean, I caught every reference, you know, Zara reading Malcolm's book in the on the monorail. I caught, you know, I caught all the tiny stuff and it's just like I've got to rewatch the first movie, man. <laughs> so ever since then, it's just been insane. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, a, a lot of the, the vast majority of the fandom that's uh, that sort of younger age would um, would have exactly the same story to tell. So um, mm-hmm. I beat you by ten years on that. So I, I as well didn't get to see <laughs> didn't get to see Jurassic in uh, in theaters, but was there for the Lost World. Um, oh yeah. So, yeah, that yeah I was ninety three, so I'm just a year ahead of you. I never saw the first in theater or the second in theaters, but the third. Jurassic Park 3 was the first one I saw in theaters, and then I've seen, of course, all the world movies in theaters, and mm. then Jurassic Park, when it's been re-released in theaters, I think in 2013, 
Incidentally, The Lost World, my favorite one, has not been re-released in theaters. <laughs> I've been waiting for that, because I, I went and saw Jurassic Park in theaters for the 25th anniversary, and I've been waiting for Lost World, but I don't think they're going to do it. <laughs> Hell, to this date, I still haven't seen the original in theaters. We did not, I think we had the 3D <clears throat> re-release when that came out. I uh, did not get in time for that. It was only a couple of days. It was very short, very short run, which was a shame, but... Yeah, I would love to see them both back-to-back for an anniversary coming up. Oh, yeah. uh, (laughs) Whether that happens or not, it's in the air. Well, I suppose you did let it slip a little bit before, too, with uh, your thoughts on the newer films, wanting to go back and see the better better ones. But uh, (laughs) I suppose we can talk about Dominion um, a little bit later. And uh, if you want to... You've said your thoughts on Jurassic World. What about uh, the sequel, Fallen Kingdom, which we're covering here? General, just general thoughts on it. (laughs) So I may have given the wrong impression. I absolutely adore Jurassic World. I will say that. I like the first movie more, but Jurassic World is, like, it's such my comfort movie. I turn on that movie anytime I'm feeling down, anytime I'm feeling sad, angry, anything, really. (laughs) I turn on Jurassic World. I don't know why. I just do. And this is a true story. For the entirety of the year of 2018, Jurassic World was playing on loop in the background on my old Xbox 360, no matter what I was doing. Wow, okay. The entirety of the year, and I'm talking 24-7. My Xbox 360 is a trooper. (laughs) So, (laughs) Fallen Kingdom, (laughs) man, I was in the hype, you know, all that marketing and stuff. I was, like, into it. I was following all the leaks. And then when it came out, I'd already seen the whole movie in trailers and stuff, you know? Yep. So I I knew it was going to go a direction I didn't want it to, and I was still sad when it did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of the few fans who is not well. Not you know we'll talk about the future of it all later, but yep. I'm not a fan of the way the movie ends. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I like uh, we've we've compared it to movies like The Force Awakens, um, even the 07 mm. Transformers movie. It done it done what the franchise needed uh, to have a massive resurgence. Highly successful. Uh, unfortunately, Hasbro going downhill for the toys, but Mattel then coming in afterwards to uh, pick up the toy line and mm. give us a lot of things we really wanted as fans and collectors. Out from we never got with the original movies, so mm-hmm. yeah, it did it did uh, do what it had to do uh, at the end of the day. And since we uh, covered it minute by minute, I'd have uh, a lot more appreciation for it than I did after I walked out of theaters. <laughs> I appreciate this movie now after seeing Dominion. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those uh, those sentiments are uh, <laughs> uh, felt felt here too. Before we get into this minute of Fallen Kingdom, uh, heading over to uh, well, I've got a link here for Twitter or X, but uh, we don't normally cover news events and that on this uh, on the minute by minute show. We normally do that once a month for the the main uh, news show. But uh, David, Petey's got a um, a petition going up at the moment for the Mattel male T Rex, the figure that uh, by now everyone knows the campaign failed and the what's going to happen. The future of the figures that were in that campaign uh, is in limbo, and uh, us as the fans want to show Mattel that we really want that Hammond Collection male T-Rex released. <laughs> yeah, so the Hammond Collection T-Rex, of course, that was kind of the big tantalizer that everybody was like, oh, it should have been a separate crowdfunding. So 
basically the idea of this, we were all really disappointed when the um, crowdfund failed. So we came up with this petition to kind of show Mattel that no matter we, regardless of the gauge, regardless of those little itty bitty pieces that was all part of that crowdfund, we still want the male T-Rex. It's even if it just comes out as a repaint of the regular tier of the regular Hammond collection female, we still want this figure. Mm. And so the petition has been kind of slow, even though we've been very much pushing it. And we're kind of just hoping that the fans will kind of come together on this and show Mattel, you know what? We regret this. We know what we, <laughs> we know that the crowdfund was a failure, but please, pretty please, <laughs> pretty please. Uh, I suppose, um, Following along with the movies, uh, Stephen, what about the uh, the toys? Do you pick up any of the toys? Yeah, so I, I collected the first line pretty avidly. Um, I got, you know, most of the Super Colossals. I, I fell off of buying new ones probably sometime last year, but I, I did get a pretty big collection of the Mattel toys because you're right, the Hasbro ones were sad. <laughs> and once I once I saw some of the basically it was a super colossal t-rex the first time i saw that that thing was coming out i was like i'm going to spend so much money on this line (laughs) and i I did (laughs) i spent all of it oh good good so another collector here (laughs) and it's yeah (laughs) mattel's gone out and released um we've talked about a couple months ago the the new legacy set with uh the lost world ian and m class and the poorly painted male in that and you can't go onto mattel and buy that now it's it's gone everywhere so Surely, surely they must know that there is there is love for the Lost World and some Lost World figures as well. So, fingers mm-hmm. crossed. Fingers crossed that Hammond Collection set uh, does does come out eventually. The Hammond Collection Rex. Dinosaur. Uh-huh. All right, guys, ready to get into minute 52 of Fallen Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Good. All right, minute 52 of Fallen Kingdom opens with a Brachiosaurus waving off the ship and ends with the Arcadia steaming north away from Nublar. Uh, so, of course, minute 52, we know why we're here. Uh, the, the, the end of the Brachiosaur and the end of Nublar. Unfortunately, not the end of the movie, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, as the music slows, uh, everyone's gathered to look at the rear cargo sh- of the hold of the ship, and uh, we can hear the trumpeting of that lone brachiosaur walking along the dock. We get smoke billowing from the water's edge, either side of it, and a bit of a red glow around as well, so we know that uh, the lava of the dock, or the dock's all been enveloped in lava, and this brachiosaur's out, out, on the, out on the dock on a little island of concrete here, for another couple of seconds before it uh, it's gone. 
<laughs> so, guys, so Steve. Fun facts about this scene. So, Steven, so something I'm kind of do is I'm a really big behind the scenes guy on the show. So, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that there's actually two major inspirations behind the the shot here. One of them is a painting from the Hudson River Valley School. If anybody's not familiar, it was this kind of late eight, uh, late 19th century um, art movement in the United States that kind of was all into really kind of romantic um, landscape paintings. And one of them by Albert Bierstadt in 1868 was called... Um, among the Sierra Nevada, California. And if anybody's unfamiliar with this painting, go ahead and look it up. It's absolutely beautiful. My parents, coincidentally, actually have a print of it in their bedroom. Hmm. And so it's got, it's this, these, it's a, basically the foreground starts with a, a herd of deer standing at the edge of a lake. And behind, and behind the lake is some very picturesque waterfalls coming, cascading over the mountains. And the main inspiration here that transferred over to Jurassic World is there's this really contrast lighting that is um, kind of evocative of the entire art movement as the sun is kind of uh, wafting through the clouds here. And so that was the major inspiration here where you see the smoke billowing up and the sunlight coming down from behind that those clouds of smoke. And then... The other major inspiration in the scene, there's a couple references to E.T. within this movie. And this being one of them where the Brachiosaur is silhouetted against the fire coming in behind it was inspired by E.T.'s glowing heart, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I can see that. It's kind of saying, it's kind of saying that the heart here is dying. It does not help that it's exactly the same pose as Brachiosaur does as when we first see uh, a dinosaur in the original film as well. Um, no, it does not. And Trevorrow, I mean, whether you want to believe him or not, said this is, in fact, the original Brachiosaurus we first saw uh, in 1990. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a little, eh, for me, but... Yeah. Oh. The image itself, <laughs> the symbolism here. And, like, Stephen, you uh, mentioned that you weren't, big on the ending of the movie, but something that was kind of a major string from the two Crichton novels that was kind of at the end, or that kind of woven into the novels themselves, but never really, uh, never really pulled was this idea of dinosaurs on the mainland. And the first novel ended with dinosaurs, even like, I think a triceratops, they kind of, they kind of imply are kind of raiding farmers crops for, um, for uh, soybeans and anything kind of lysine-rich crops. And they even mentioned dinosaurs on the mainland a few times in the Lost World novel. And so this is kind of us, uh, over 30 years in the making, finally getting to the mainland with dinosaurs. Mm. Yeah. Stephen, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, all right. So the reason I, I mean, you asked what minutes I wanted. I, I said this one right here because there are a few reasons. One, uh, okay, I even leaned up. By the way, on the on the Colin Trevorrow confirming the Brachiosaurus was the same one, et cetera, et cetera. I was sitting next to my friend in the theater when this happened, and aside from 
but I basically I leaned over and I said, I guarantee you that either Jay Abiona or Colin Chavaro are going to say something on Twitter in a week that that was the same Brachiosaurus from the first one. I called it, and I was right. Funny how that um, happens. I called it. <laughs> I knew it, because that's just, that's just, you know, hey, let's just say screw you to the fans a little bit. Not really. Screw your feelings, that's what I mean. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> um, the other, the two other things. One, this was the movie that broke my 17-year-long streak of not crying at movies. Oh, wow. And I want to be clear, the reason I was crying was not because I was sad the Brachiosaurus was dying. I was sad because Jurassic Park was dying. This was the end of Jurassic Park, the beginning of Jurassic World. Like, the, all those, that original trilogy is like, it was like them slamming the door shut on it, be like, forget the past, we're moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, that's what it felt like to me watching this, and it kind of felt like... It, <laughs> You brought up the comparison of Force Awakens. A lot of people would parallel this with Last Jedi. Kylo mm -hmm. Ren, you know, uh, you're still holding on. Let go. Yep. Like, stop telling us to give Turn up our childhoods. Hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> stop telling us to give up our childhoods so you can play in the sandbox that better people made for you. Sorry, I get a little <laughs> passionate about this one. <laughs> oh, no, that's 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 good, and I, I do wonder because, um, as you said, this is this is the farewell to the island. This is Nublar. We only get one shot of it in Dominion with uh, now this and all that garbage at the start of that movie, where we get <laughs> where we get a, a nice green volcano, volcanic mountain, and it seems like Nublar's bounced back and no better time for something has survived. But unfortunately, not in this franchise. Um, being the farewells to the island, I just okay. We're going to see the Brachiosaur go here. I just would have loved to see a quick twenty seconds of either something on Main Street, the lava burning, just a CG innovation center on fire, just showing us either some key key locations from the previous films, just showing us that this island is destroyed because we get. We get the map a little bit uh, at the very end of the minute, I believe. No, it's not next minute. Um, Mill's sitting there looking at the Arcadia steam and north and the volcano, and it's only really the Gyrosphere Valley that's <laughs> that looks like it's on fire. Uh, and you've got the whole mm. rest of the island with animals left behind and everything that could one day come back into a TV show or a sequel, but knock on wood for that. Something has survived. Yes, I know. But that does have a good point. And that is something that I would have liked to have seen as well, was just kind of... Maybe not a full montage, but just like maybe these quick cuts of places we've seen before, places we love, like the visitor center mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. bursting in the flames. And the only thing we kind of really get that's close to that is the um, the Ford Explorer coming up and the, the lava coming over it and the steel sizzling and bubbling. But there's this great scene at the end of the first season of The Bad Batch, which is a Star Wars animated series. And if anybody's familiar with Star Wars or anybody's not familiar with Star Wars here, The Bad Batch, they it's basically first couple years of the Empire taking over the galaxy. And one of the things that they do is destroy Kamino, which is the home world of the cloning facilities that created the clone army in the movies. Mm -hmm. And they have this great scene that's kind of, it's sad music, but it's almost kind of swelling. And the way that it's played in the tempo is almost kind of, it makes you feel like you're entering a new era as they 
do these quick cuts of like empty barracks and empty cafeteria. The hallways just empty the, um, the docking bay empty. And it's just like, you feel this gutted feeling of the end of an era right before the laser, uh, a hail of laser uh, fire destroys the entire facility. And it's kind of that moment that we have here, but done better. I want to say. Well, that's only film mm-hmm. referencing one film too, Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there may be exactly. one or two, one or two episodes of the Clone Wars, Wars that return to mm-hmm. Clamino, but um, yeah, here we and are. We have three the films. <laughs> and that's the thing. I mean, there's only a, maybe a handful, probably ten at the most episodes that return to this place in the Clone Wars, but it's still a place that had character that created characters that we fell in love with. And that's what they needed to do with Jurassic World in this scene here. We show us those places where the characters had been that we fell in love with. The visitor center, the innovation center, something like that, you know? Something that shows us this is the end of an era and not just the Brachiosaurus. I think it could have pulled at those heartstrings a little tighter, I think. Yeah. Because, I mean, like I said, don't get me wrong, I felt very sad that this was happening, but I just felt more like it was just about the Brachiosaurus than it felt about just this is the entire island is now gone and we'll never see it again. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And... Yeah, I uh, I had in my mind, like, everyone has their, their vision of how a movie should have gone, but I was picturing, like, why did they not make use of of other parts of Jurassic World that we either briefly saw or didn't see enough of. Like, instead of being in the middle of the woods, um, they could have, let's say Blue had set up a nest or something inside one of the abandoned, was it the Hiltons, the hotels, or something. Mm -hmm. You know, just so we see more of what's already there um, to really tie it together and really make you... Yeah, bring into perspective what's actually being destroyed. Mm -hmm. Um to make you really feel it, it does feel a little cheap to me that they're just like, well, okay, we killed a good, we killed one dinosaur. That's what you see. Okay, well, okay. Especially when all of those assets, uh, CG models they made for Jurassic World, so surely they're all on a computer somewhere. You could have the aviary sitting there, dirty it up, crack a lot more of the windows and have it getting swallowed up by lava or on fire. Um, we know mm-hmm. we've got aerial views of Main Street, the main lagoon, even the gyrosphere station, like just places we've visited uh, in Jurassic World, and even though the uh, the visitor center set was very small and put together for uh, Jurassic World as well, just do a CG CG of it, even if it's just the lobby with lava pouring in. Um, mm. But I suppose they've already burnt that when dinosaurs rule the Earth <laughs> sign <laughs> once already, so <laughs> can't do it twice. Um, and on the sadness of the Brachiosaur dying here, my um, my feelings were all spent a couple of minutes previously when we had all the animals falling off that cliff uh, cliff edge at Gyrosphere Valley. Because as we said, Dave, there's no footprints in that beach when Owen and Claire and that swim to it. Those mm-hmm. animals have drowned, and that's there's dozens and dozens of animals there that did not make it out of the water. Um, so you're sort of doubling up on the sadness here and. I, I already had enough sadness to give before we got here. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and that goes back to what Stephen said about the perspective is we just had 
like all these animals dying. I'm, it's kind of hard to shed tears for one more. Mm-hmm. You know? One more thing I had just on the Brachiosaurus itself is, so I told you I had Jurassic World on repeat. So after I got this mm-hmm. on Blu-ray, I decided to put it on repeat for a little bit. It didn't stay very long because when I was sleeping in the middle of the night, when it got to this scene, there was something about the Brachiosaurus's call that would vibrate my end table, that, like by my uh, bed, and I would wake up every single night right at this scene. So I'm like, yeah, this isn't happening. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that Brachiosaur trumpet has got some pretty low, low octaves in it that would um, it would pick up on a bass. Not only that, too, as as they're all watching here and amassing to watch the Brachiosaur die, obviously Owen and Clay upset that they didn't save her. Uh, I'm guessing Wheatley's men upset because there's profit um, being barbecued there and not on the ship with them. But just the sound, that resonant boom of the, the rear cargo hold doors closing, too, uh, would, uh, I can imagine, reverberate across the base as well. Mm-hmm. Did either of you read the Evolution of Claire novel? No. I started it but never finished. I think I got to the okay. part where she found the um where she found the notebook hidden un- in the mattress. Yeah, gotcha. So, it's it's okay. It's you know, I've read it twice, probably never will again. And but one part um Claire's look becomes a little bit more meaningful if you read the novel because she does uh become very attached to the Brachiosaurus at the park when she's there interning. Um, I think they have names, uh, Pearl, Olive, and Agnes or something like that. They specifically say they name them like old ladies. Uh, but she becomes like attached to the Brachiosaurus. Um, so I could see that becoming like her look becomes more meaningful if you have a little more backstory that she has connection with the Brachiosaurus. But, you know. Was that released prior to this film or did it come out after? Uh, I believe it came out after. After, yeah. So, yeah, they have, they throw that in there as a bit of a. Well, not really retcon, but yeah, put some uh, <laughs> some more meaning behind behind that in the novel. Yeah, no, that's interesting. But that's that's it. We as those rear doors close, we uh, we cut outside. We get an outside view of the Arcadia, steaming away from Nublar, covered seemingly in lava and fire. Uh, and Stephen, you'd probably confirm this. This is just one of those classic uh, SS Venture looking shots steaming away from Kong Skull uh-huh. Island. <laughs> that imagery sort of coming to Jurassic, going back to Kong, and you know, coming back to Jurassic again, so it's bouncing between the franchise. Uh, but fantastic shot. Yeah, there's a, a nearly identical shot in Jackson's Kong where the wall is on fire when they're sacrificing Anne and the, the crew is still on the boat. And you get this shot of the ship at sea and you can see the wall in the distance on fire and it's like, huh, it looks yeah. a lot like this. Yeah. And Dave, this is sort of the shot we didn't get from the Lost World with the SS Venture there, uh, steaming away from Sauna with the Tyrannosaur on board. Um, yeah. We just get that cut. I have mentioned before on the uh, show here how the Arcadia is inspired by the landing platform dock ship, and in particularly the hangar bay here. And you can really see it with these doors. My dad has a picture from when he was in the Navy of the... Um, ship's uh, cargo bay, and it's almost exactly this. Yep. Yep, I think we mentioned last minute that uh, the fact that, it, that the ship's designed to lower down so water can go in to allow amphibious mm-hmm. vehicles to come and go, and 
Yeah, we've got trucks parked down on the floor of the cargo hold here, but you've got those catwalks that surround it that most of the uh, Wheatley's men are walking on to get to the rear of the ship. Uh, they'd all be above the waterline to allow um, troops to enter those vehicles. So, But uh, we do get in this shot too. You can see <laughs> Mount Cebu glowing and on fire, but there's a lot of uh, smaller... Uh, mountains in the background that don't seem to be glowing or smoking <laughs> at all. Uh, we're just very focused on the volcano here as it uh, goes up. But uh, then we cut to a very high shot up above the island in the north, overlooking the volcano as a tiny figure of the ship slowly moves away. Uh, again, lots of lava and fire at the volcano surrounding the valley. And um, mm. it starts to get a bit sparse as it moves south, but yeah. The implication from the concept art of this shot here was meant to be that the entire island is being burnt up obviously they don't they kind of um only have the rivers of lava moving around in the lower regions but it kind of it does kind of make it interesting because um maui just had those awful fires and so the winds picked up and kind of fueled the rest of the fire so these um, these lava rivers that we can see here are going to get picked up by the winds and basically burn up the mountainsides. Yeah, and it's a shame, um, as you said, that the whole issue that's happening in Maui and the, the disaster there, life imitating art or vice versa, however <laughs> that goes. But um, yeah, it's uh, not, a, not a good situation over there. But um, yeah, Stephen... I don't think we have many aerial shots of Kong Island, do we? Um, most of it's sort of down from the human perspective, very Spielbergy. Yeah, yeah, you don't get a whole lot of up. You get some very Lord of the Rings esque. I mean, it's Jackson, but uh, <laughs> sweeping shots over the the native Skull Islander village, and you get some sweeping shots of the wall. But you don't get too much higher than that to really see the landscape of Skull Island itself um, from up high. You do see from high places, but not like aerial shots. Yeah, okay. And I think that works to... Sorry to go on a bit of a tangent here, but this is kind of in your court, Stephen. It works to the advantage of that movie, is that how much they don't explain. And that's part of what I love about The Lost World, is how much you don't see it. I brought that up a couple times when we did The Lost World Minute. And part of what brings me and attracts me to the world that pj created in the 2005 movie was just all these ruins laying all over and that's kind of what he did with the same thing with the lord of the rings is all these ruins just kind of lying lying there you you don't know the story you don't know what they were but they still exist and you want to know and it attracts you to watching the movie over and over again <laughs> well it certainly attracts you to certain tv shows that go back a fair while to try and show some of those structures <laughs> as, as, mm -hmm. that as well but uh yeah and that's we've talked yeah talked a lot about that the lost world and just how big sauna is what what else in gen we're up to there no need no not needing to introduce more islands with more outposts or science stations on them just you've got nublar you've got sauna that's it Let's explore more of the island, which we sort of do in Jurassic Park 3. We get to see a little bit more there. We don't really get more of that in this film. We, we sort of see the, the bunker and that, which um, is a bit more of an extension of park infrastructure and that from the Jurassic world. But uh, there is still a lot more <laughs> a lot more we could have seen of Nublar. 
And for them to come out and say, well, we're destroying it because we want to move, we want to go to the mainland, we want to tell a new story that doesn't involve the islands and then go straight back to an isolated area, it's, it's a shame mm. Dominion went, <laughs> went that way. <laughs> mm, totally agree. Uh, so you can argue that, you know, they've had volcanic activity being referenced as early as the first novel, you know, geothermic um, generators, I think, in the first novel. I don't remember exactly. You can argue that the volcano was kind of always on the horizon of something that could happen and destroy the island, but you didn't have to. You could have continued to have Jurassic movies on islands, like, instead of, like you said, instead of wiping out the island that we all know and love and then just taking it to, a, what, the mountains of, I don't even remember. See, because I watched Dominion, like, a few times and I just don't care where it is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I'm sorry I do like Dominion in some places but I just don't care that much mm -hmm. yeah there's no reason to wipe out an island and then take it somewhere else isolated you're right yep. and yeah as the minute ends um, we see that, that ship steaming north and uh, that's the end of the movie we get to see where the Arcadia is going to in the next film don't we I hope <laughs> <laughs> I honestly thought it would have been better had they done that had they split it into two movies, but, you know, whatever. Especially when you have so much, oh, it's not so much, I suppose, but a, a chunk of the Lost World showing the humans going, returning to the island. The dinosaurs have been there long enough to sort of look after themselves, and it's not as easy as just tranking something or throwing a lasso around a Parasolophus neck. Like, <laughs> it takes a little bit more than that to get it to the ground and uh, to get into a cage. Whereas here... Bing, bam, boom, Wheatley's men have got everything. Even the T-Rex, we talked about that a couple of minutes ago, captured yeah. in next to no time without any issue. Uh, it may have it may have got more criticism. I know a lot of people do do enjoy the, the second part of the film where we do get off on and get to uh, get to Bayona's nightmare in the uh, haunted house in northern uh, Northern California there. It's, it, you're never going to please everyone, and... Yeah, one person loves it, another person hates it. It's just that's just fandoms. <laughs> that's just fans. So mm -hmm. that's a shame. <laughs> Anything else on on fifty two before I get into novel comparisons? Mm -hmm. No, I'm good. I suppose is there a novelization for Kong? I'd imagine there would be. But you it... know what? You'd think I would know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and I don't. I'm just <laughs> but I don't. because it's so it's so long. I wonder if there'd be any any differences because I know when when Jackson films stuff he films everything and most of it stays in or does get put back in for an extended version so uh, we've been following the novels since The Lost World and just mm -hmm. most of the time they're going off shooting scripts pre-production scripts and that so there are little differences here and there uh, or little bits the authors added just to sort of fill out scenes and that to make that screenplay into an actual novelization. so um, yeah I'd have to check but I'd imagine it'd be no different to like Lord of the Rings and that. You'd probably you'd probably have to have a half encyclopedia with all the different volumes <laughs> for each movie. For, for so yeah, there there is a a book that is basically just all the concept art of every creature they could think of. They came up with an entire ecosystem packed with animals. There's probably one animal um, on screen for every 15 that doesn't show up on screen. And they did release that as a book, okay. but it's not really a novel as much as an explorer's guide. Yep. So I do have that, but um, yeah, there's so much content. that's not even in the movie. It's insane. 
I was going to say, yeah, the world of Kong book is really fascinating. I've seen images from it. I've never actually bought it, though. I've kind of wanted, I've kind of wanted to. You might, you might just be the push that needs, that convinces me to go get it. <laughs> so it's expensive. Right, and I wouldn't own it if my co-host hadn't given it to me as a, um, a gift for my wedding. He gave it to me for a wedding gift. And that was where oh, we, that was where the concept of, uh, King Kong minute came from was we, it was the night before <laughs> I got married. I had not talked to him about minute by minute or how much I loved King Kong. And he just thought I would like this book and gave it to me. I was like, okay, here's what a <laughs> minute by minute podcast is. Will you do it with me? And he said, yes. <laughs> I think the price might be why I don't have it yet. Oh, you little Yeah, it's, it's pretty expensive. He just had it from when he was a kid. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's picked up for nine ninety five on clearance at Barnes and Noble or something and passed on to you. He obviously didn't know how much it was worth either, otherwise it would have been struck to eBay. <laughs> uh, uh, no, he's he's a great guy. Um, not to plug my own podcast, but if oh, you do, do listen to do uh, King Kong Minute... Okay, fine, here we yeah. go. Uh, King Kong Minute. Uh, my, my co-host is named Terry. He is a, a very, very big-hearted soul. He's my best friend, has been for a very long time, so uh, yeah, he's it's a fun fun podcast but he he wouldn't care if he knew how much it cost he's he's just a very good guy so uh you can hear more of us being crazy over on king kong minute but yeah. it's fun very nice very nice and i did mention the novel before we do get a little bit extra here from uh, owen and claire soon the brachiosaur give that final roar as uh as steam envelops uh, uh they're sad that they couldn't save all the dinosaurs not just about the brachiosaurus um they're sad that they're sad for all the animals that were left behind knowing uh, they're all sharing the same fate as the Brachiosaur we see on screen here. So that's a little bit of extra stuff for the novel. Um, Stephen, thanks for joining us for Minute 52. Uh, you're going to be back next week for Minute 53 as well. But uh, until then, guys, how about we get out of here? All right, it's good. good.